The one thing you. I like, one of the things, many of that I like about baseball, and this probably goes on in other sports, but um, I watch, I get most of my professional sports viewing from baseball, is the players on different teams will, when they're um, at a relaxed situation, like you have a runner get on first, and he and the, the runner and the first baseman will, will engage in a conversation, or the same thing will happen if they're on other bases. They seem to really enjoy talking to players on opposing teams really seem to be, enjoy talking to each other. It's very, yes, it's very convivial. Yeah. Well, we may come back to the current standings, but in the interest of, uh, of uh, fulfilling what the program is supposed to do, you were advertised as making news and comments about the economy. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to do that, and as usual, I will have truth in broadcasting by saying that Dr. Walden gives me a cheat sheet because he's the one who knows what the questions ought to be asked about. Sometimes I know and sometimes I don't, but we, we are more interested in accuracy than anything else. And that means we start, as usual, with an economic update. Dr. Mike Walden. Well, the, the, uh, thank you, Tom. The, the big news recently has been that we got the national job report for um, June, and it was a very positive one. Uh, in fact, much more robust than we've had in the last uh, couple of months. Uh, at the national level, we had 850,000 net new jobs. Again, this doesn't mean that all the other jobs were stayed the same and we added 850. There's a lot of churning that goes on. Jobs are always being created and lost, regardless of the strength of the economy. But that was a, a very positive note. <clears throat> uh, now, one thing that caught people's eyes and is always confusing is that the unemployment rate went up a wee bit. Um, and again, I, I've said this many times or given this explanation many times, but I think it bears repeating. You can certainly have a situation where the nation adds jobs or the state adds jobs, for that matter, any, any geographical area. And you have a rise in the unemployment rate, and this is because of the particular way unemployment is, is measured. There are very specific rules, and these rules are federal rules, and these unemployment numbers all come from federal surveys. And to be counted officially as unemployed, someone has to not have a job, obviously, and number two, have to tell the surveyor they actually want a job, so that rules out retired people, for example. And then thirdly, they have to tell the surveyor that they have looked for a job in the last month. If they don't do the final thing, they're not counted as unemployed. They're not counted as employed either. They're just not counted in the labor force. And something that, that uh, we often see when there is a, an uptick in jobs is that people who maybe have been on the sidelines not looking for work, they come back and look, and until they get a job, they will be counted as unemployed. So this is actually somewhat of a positive note because uh, we've had a lot of issues, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about them as the night uh, goes on. We've had a lot of concerns about people who are unemployed, uh, or, or I should say don't have a job, not out there looking for work, not going on job interviews. So the fact that we had an uptick in the unemployment rate signals that we have more people looking for work, and that's actually a positive because uh, I think we do want unemployed folks looking for work. I see what you're saying in part in that those people that you just mentioned there toward the end, they could be out there unemployed but not looking for work, so they would not be counted. But if they were looking for work, they would be counted as unemployed, but looking for work. Does that sound That's right? right? Yes. So, so, so actually, you could argue, or I could argue, that the, the uptick in the employment rate nationally was uh, was was actually positive. Now, we don't have main numbers for North Carolina or main numbers for the various counties in North Carolina. Uh, our 
I'm sorry, June numbers. We do have May numbers, and actually just today, I'll just add a little bit to what I'm saying. Just today, we had unemployment numbers, or job numbers, I should say, for the counties in North Carolina. And one of the headlines, and I think it was WREL, was that the uh, unemployment rate in North Carolina, in, in the Triangle, which would be uh, the Durham Metro and the Raleigh area Metro put together, the unemployment rate in the Triangle in May actually went up. And yet, if you look at the job numbers, we actually added jobs in, in the Triangle. And again, I think the same thing was, was at work in May in the Triangle, and that is people were coming back and beginning to look for, for more work. So a little, little tricky there, maybe a little, a little confusing to people, but um, the unemployment rate is, is uh, you, just have to, you just have to understand how to interpret that. When it goes up, that's not necessarily bad. Uh, now, clearly, a year ago, when it went up to 14, 15%, that was horrible. But the upticks we've had recently, not are not, not necessarily bad if it means that more people who don't have jobs and are actively looking for jobs. Dr. Mike Walden explaining it so that we can understand that, that, that things that seemingly couldn't happen, in fact, do happen, and they turn out to be good. When we began our conversation tonight with Dr. Walden, uh, he gave me a list of topics, as I said, at the beginning of the program. And when he gave me the second topic, which is the one we're going to approach just after we take a break here in a moment, he, he, he designated it as the big resignation. But he wouldn't tell me what. So just like you, I'm holding on by my fingernails <laughs> to find out exactly what the big resignation is right after this. live and in real-time radio, and uh, we have our U local professor of economics now, Emeritus, from NC State, to tell us how the economy is doing, and uh, before we went away, we told you that he had said the second topic tonight was going to be a big resignation, and he wouldn't even tell me what it is. <laughs> Dr. Walden, you're on the frying pan. Now. Well, what this refers to, Tom, is um, something that we really never have seen in previous economic recoveries from recessions, a typical recession and then followed by recovery. Obviously, during recessions, people lose their jobs when the economy gets back on track. Uh, those folks try to get their, their previous jobs back, and, and uh, then the economy gets back to full steam. Um, and we're not seeing that happen right now. And another element of this is that there have been surveys, and you always have to um, look skeptically of surveys because oftentimes they're not a, a very big sample, but there have been a couple surveys that have uh, come to the conclusion that a sizable number of people, uh, I've seen a, one survey said something like 25%, another survey uh, said 90%. Um, I, I don't think I can accept that high. But a fairly sizable number of people have told the surveyor that they are planning to change jobs. Uh, either if they are working now, they want to get out of that job into something else, or if they have lost their job or were temporarily laid off from their job, uh, they're not going to go back to it. They're going to do something else. And that, that is, that's very different. We, don't, we have not seen that kind of, uh, of uh, opinion by people who are in the labor market, particularly coming out of a recession. Again, the typical thing is people are so anxious to get back to work, get back to earning money, uh, that they'll go back to their old job. That's 
that's not happening as much this time around. And um, one question is why, and a second question is what's, what's going to be an implication of this. I think the why has to do, Tom, with the fact that, again, one of the, one of the things that's been different in the last year, particularly about the recession, is the amount of help, financial help in particular, the federal government has pushed into, into the economy, uh, both for businesses as, as well as public institutions, but particularly for, for workers, people who've lost their job. And do not read anything I'm saying as to indicate that I think people should not have gotten the help, but the help has been extraordinary. We've had the federal additions to unemployment compensation. We've had the stimulus checks. Uh, we've had an expansion of uh, food stamps. We've had an expansion of health care, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, we are about to begin, uh, I believe, next month, uh, child payments uh, to families uh, through um, uh, reducing taxes. So this has been extraordinary. In fact, I, I cannot remember in my time as a professional economist ever seeing the federal government being so active in, in assistance during a recession. And I, and I would, I would uh, actually argue we've never seen in our history, even going back to the Great, uh, Great Depression of 1930. What this has meant, though, is that I think a lot of the people who lost their jobs or were temporarily laid off uh, have felt confident uh, that that they, they've got some resources that will tie them through. And then I think on top of that, the pandemic. I know it's, it's happened for Mrs. Walden and I uh, and me. Uh, the pandemic, I think, has made a lot of people really take stock of their lives and think about the future, um, especially a year ago, people were thinking about this. And so bottom line here is that I think we have an extraordinary number of people who are saying, you know what, I don't want to go back to that job that I had. Uh, I want to do something else. And they've, they've taken advantage of the fact that they've got a safety net. They've had a safety net uh, so that they, they can take some time away from work, and maybe they've upskilled themselves. Maybe they've taken some classes. Maybe they've, uh, they've uh, uh, retrained for something. And they're coming back, and they're looking for different kinds of jobs, particularly jobs that are, that are paying more. So I think that's at least my interpretation right now as to why we're seeing these surveys indicate a very significant number of people saying they want to change jobs when things get back to normal. May I ask a question, Dr. Walden, mm -hmm. that is tangential to this thing that you're talking about? Hello? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, I, I, I thought I heard the other day, or I did hear the other day that, uh, and it was a kind of a large percentage, like 30 or something, that, but and it may have been connected to a survey, and I'm, what I'm asking you is do you know of any surveys or any actual data that has indicated that a large percentage of jobs for certain classes of people, maybe not writ large, but for certain classes of people, the jobs aren't going to be there when they go back. Uh, yes, and, and if, if we can, uh, although we can get into it right now, that, I mean, we, one of our topics was um, uh, is big automation coming to the economy, and and I think well, we I can think save it, it for that. So, later. so we're going to skip down and answer your question. I'll skip ahead if you if you don't mind. Yeah, to, go ahead to that topic. Uh, yes, I think that uh, one of the things that many economists have been saying ever since this pandemic began, even before the pandemic, looking at change in the economy, is that technology is becoming more and more capable every day. And I'm not just talking about robots. I'm talking about artificial intelligence. Um, 
I'm talking about uh, computer programs that maybe take some of the calculations that a person would have to do that does that's done automatically. Um, all that is becoming more adept and that we are likely to see, and we're already seeing situations where that, that technology is being uh, deployed into workplaces and it is relieving people of doing those jobs. And so that may be another reason, actually, going back to the big resignation topic where people are, a sizable number of people are saying they want to switch jobs. Uh, many of those people may have seen the writing on the wall. They may see that, well, the job I'm in is eventually going to be taken over by technology, so I need to train for something different. That, that is the, something, for instance, in the, in, in the broadcasting industry, more and more uh, things uh, uh-huh. have been done. I'm not just talking about the station that I work at and that John, our producer, works at, but, but writ large uh, computers that can do most of the things that, in fact, have to be done now. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. I think you hit it right on the head as people are saying, well, I'm going to need some retraining somewhere. Why don't I just do it now yeah. and get yeah. it, get it and, over with? And, and I, I, I quickly want to say that this doesn't mean that automation is bad. Uh, it can actually be good for a worker if a worker, um, if automation makes a worker more productive. That is, if you need you need the machinery, the technology, but you still need the person to interact with that. That can make a worker more productive and actually get more pay. And that may be what a lot of people are, are realizing. So they're training to be able to have the, the skill set to to work with those computers. On the other hand, there are examples of technology that replace workers. Uh, one of the things I recently saw on a program was in restaurants, robots being used to deliver meals, take meals to tables after people have ordered. And also people ordering, not having a waiter or waitress come to them, but ordering on kiosks, ordering on iPads or, or uh, tablets at their, uh, at their booth. So those would be the kind of, that would be the kind of technology that would actually be replacing people. I know that historically in the fast food industry, particularly in the biggies like McDonald's, they have automated virtually everything that they can automate. So about the only thing left for the person uh, to, was to take the order and take the money. But beyond yeah. that, the machines, you know, made the, the burgers, made the drinks, et cetera. And then maybe you had a, a human being who sort of trimmed up around the edges a lot. Dr. Walden, we're going to pause now and, and vamp a little bit here. Uh, because we're coming up on the news and we don't want to run over it. And uh, after we have the news and check it, we'll come back. And uh, let's see if I can remember what uh, employees market, I think, is the next thing. So we'll tease to that. Dr. Mike Walden is Professor of Economics Emeritus at NC State University, and we'll be back with him right after the news. This is the point where we usually do a little promoing, and one thing I'll remind you of is that we're promised uh, some uh, weather related to a tropical storm probably uh, a little very late in the night, Wednesday into Thursday. Uh, a little bit unsure because of the track uh, of the, the uh, tropical storm slash hurricane, whichever it happens to be when it gets here, promising mostly, I think, rain, but you'll want to stay tuned to WPTF weather to keep up with that so it won't surprise you. Tomorrow night my brother Stephen is going to be here and we're going to talk about movies, but particular movies, those that have been defined as summer blockbusters, a concept that did not exist until Jaws appeared in the summer of 1976, I think it was. We'll find that out tomorrow night. 
uh, Wednesday night, uh, one of our oldest friends that we met on the radio here, uh, a listener from Sanford, North Carolina, who answered most of the questions that uh, we were trying to answer on the air, so we invited him to join the team, Mr. Woody Seymour, who is a an expert. Uh, I don't know if you can. He's not an expert. He, he, but he knows all about it. He is a a radio person, and we're going to talk about international broadcasting because it's really interesting when stuff is going on in your country, and you get the view of it from the BBC or the German news service or the French news service or whatever. So uh, that's we used to do a lot of programs on shortwave listening. You can do it on computers now, but you can hear the broadcast and find out the news not passed through the filter of of American Broadcasting Companies. Uh, and that's uh, what we're going to do on Wednesday night. Thursday night is going to be Nostalgia Night, and Friday night will be Trivia Night. Tonight we're talking with Dr. Mike Walden, Professor of Economics Emeritus at North Carolina State University, about the economy. He has been our reliable correspondent for 31 or 32 years now, and he's here tonight as usual, and we're going to talk about uh, a topic that he's defined as employees market. Dr. Walden? And, and before I get to that, Tom, I have to tell the audience, Woody Seymour, of course, is Mr. Sanford. You have appeared on uh, his television show on the, yeah. the low-power uh, TV show, and I need to say that simply because people will be looking for it now, but it, uh, it was uh, a part of the the, the culture of Sanford, North Carolina. And, and the other uh, thing, when you call me a correspondent, immediately makes me think of the Hitchcock movie, Foreign Correspondent. But, uh, which hopefully you have to try not to think about Hitchcock movies, Dr. Walden. They get scary after a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, topic at hand, at hand the, um, in fact, the president may, used this term the other day in a, um, in a uh, uh, question asked by um, reporters. Uh, in response to one question, he said it's an employee's market, and uh, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that. I agree with the president on this. An employee's market means that uh, in terms of hiring, the driver, uh, the employees are in the driver's seat. Um, you, you Again, uh, you, you look around, you, you read newspaper articles, you, you look around Raleigh, you hear comments, uh, or, or in fact pretty much every, anywhere in North Carolina, and that is a lot of businesses have uh, help when it signs out, but they just can't get people to apply. They're just not finding people uh, coming there. And uh, what that means is that in many cases, this would be the smart economics thing to do, the business has to therefore respond by saying, well, uh, if we can't get people by paying, uh, I'll just throw out some numbers here, $12 an hour, we're going to have to up it to maybe $15 an hour. And actually, if you look at the data, and I'm looking at some data right here, that's exactly what has been happening. So what this means is employees are, are benefiting in this interchange between employees and employers. And just let me let me uh, cite some numbers here. Uh, I'm a numbers person, and I think this will impress people. This is um, These are numbers that have been calculated by the U.S. Department of Labor, these are national numbers, not North Carolina numbers, but I have no reason to think they would be marginal, different in any major way with North Carolina. And what they're looking at here, Tom, is the change in the hourly wage uh, that a worker gets in, in various industries uh, over the last three months. And then what, what the calculation has done is taken that three-month 
measure and said, all right, if this happens for an entire year, what would it turn out to be? That's what economists call annualized. And some extraordinary changes here. If you're working in the transportation and warehouse sector, uh, hourly wages, again, annualized for the last three months, are up 18%. 18%. If you're working in the leisure and hospitality sector, and of course this has gotten a lot of attention because I think this is where you often see, or at least you see news reports of, of operators and owners not being able to find people, uh, average wages in leisure and hospitality over the last three months, again, annualized uh, for a year, up 15%. Uh, retail positions up 9%. Uh, services, other services, primarily personal services, 7.5%. Construction, 7.5%. And manufacturing, 7%. And there's a whole much more that I won't go into. So the point here is that is that um, uh, this year, this is this is this year, uh, wages are rising very, very significantly. Now, th- th- there there is one downside to this, and this wasn't on our list of topics, Tom, but I'll weave it in here. The downside you're hearing people say is, "Gosh, won't this spark higher inflation?" It is if a business has to pay their workers more, aren't they going to make that up by passing that on in terms of higher prices? And if that's happening across the board, that's going to that's going to cause higher inflation. And uh, it, the answer is yes, that can certainly happen. In fact, we have seen measured inflation rates over the last couple of months uh, spike very much compared to where they were. But uh, in terms of, of people out there looking for work, they many of them are in the driver's seat because they can. They can go to a business and say, yeah, I, I like to do this, but you know what? You've got you to give me a little more financial incentive to do it, and many businesses appear to be doing that. One of the things that you made me think of, Dr. Walden, was the, the business about, uh, about uh, going to a restaurant and uh, having your what would have formerly been a gratuity written into the price of the meal. I think uh, there was a, a column by, uh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of it, Barry's last name, Barry. Uh, in the News Observer about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 this is this has uh, been debated many times uh, in the restaurant business. Typically, um, uh, waiters, waitresses, will say, uh, servers are paid a very modest wage, and and then uh, they they can make it better by by tips. And, and what that's supposed to do is motivate them to provide service and be rewarded. By the by, the customer, and um, um, the opposite view of that would be, well, it's not a guarantee, though, and uh, why not just say we're going to wait, raise everyone's wages? So it's it, it's a form of quality management, and um, but again, that's a, that's an argument that uh, that's been uh, been around for a long time, and um, I have no trouble with individual businesses making that decision. There have been some businesses. Restaurants in particular, that you don't need to tip any longer. We've already incorporated that into the wage. The, the newspaper man's name that I couldn't think of was Barry Saunders. Yeah, Barry Saunders. Long time yeah. columnist for the long newspaper. Time. He, he wrote a column, column about that. No, for a long time. Yeah. In the news, newspaper and so on. But uh, having been a waiter, waiter one time, uh, I used to work on Sundays just so I could I could make some money because I could make as much on Sunday on tips as I could make the rest of the week in salary. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so on. So uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I worked. Uh, 
um, one of the jobs I worked at was uh, delivering furniture, and um, probably not as tipping was probably not as formalized there as it is or expected as it is in the restaurant business. But I can remember many people being happy when I got them their chair or their sofa or whatever, and, or at least me and my partner, my partner and I did, and they would uh, uh, give us a, a offer us cash, and, and uh, sometimes they'd offer us uh, food. So <laughs> the tip didn't always come in the form of cash. <laughs> a little, little barter there yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Dr. Mike Walden practicing all kinds of economics uh, in, in, his, in the history of his own work uh, is our guest tonight, and we're talking about uh, the economy. And uh, the topic that is remaining on our list tonight is uh, one that has to do with automation. And we touched on the edge of it earlier and then postponed it till this point. Actually, we postponed it till right after this break on WPTF. 948 at WPTF Radio. Tom Kearney here. Tomorrow night, Stephen Kearney will be our guest. We're going to talk about movies and the phenomena that showed itself in the 1970s. They did not believe that movies, really good movies, the blockbuster movies, in other words, ones that they expected to make a lot of money, should be debuted in the summer. But they put uh, Jaws out there, and it did wonderfully. And then that's been the experience of blockbuster summer, summer movies since then, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow night here on WPTF. Tonight we're talking with Dr. Mike Walden, who is Professor of Economics Emeritus at NC State University, and I believe the question of automation has come up. Dr. Walden? Uh, actually, Tom, I think we, we covered that. Uh, I think we have oh, another Okay, that's right. right. It was a half hour. Attack. I may not have communicated it enough, but uh, uh, what I wanted to talk about is the fact that um, there have been a couple of new reports comparing how all 50 states, well, plus the District of Columbia, performed during the pandemic on two measures, one, death rate from COVID, and two, job rate. Uh, job loss from, from the uh, COVID recession. And if you look at uh, both those measures, North Carolina compared to other states now, this, this is not to imply that we, we, didn't, we didn't feel the pandemic here. We did. Um, but we, um, we, got, we got through this uh, pretty much as well as any state could. If you look at, look at how states measured up on both, uh, what you'd want to be is low and relatively low on both of these, and we were. There are some states, like New York, unfortunately, was high on both of them. So that raises the question, well, why? What, what did we do right? Um, was it just luck? Uh, was it due to our economic structure, for example? And I have, I have some ideas, so I thought I'd share them with, the, with you and the listeners. Um, if you look at North Carolina's economic structure, uh, two of um, our more important sectors and this has really happened in the last 20 or 25 years, are food processing and financial services. Um, and and uh, uh, both of those were designated uh, by, this is President Trump last year, as essential uh, industries, meaning that uh, they were not shut down. Uh, people could still go to those two sectors to, to work. And so if North Carolina has relatively more people or a bigger part of her economy based on those two sectors that were deemed essential, then that could be one of the reasons why, at least on the job uh, loss situation, uh, we, we look fairly good compared to other states. Uh, another factor is that uh, we all know that uh, jobs 
that could be performed remotely, like the job that I have been in teaching, uh, or um, many other uh, uh, people were engaged in jobs where they could continue doing most of their work as long as they met remotely with people. They didn't have to meet with them face-to-face. Um, so the, the idea is if you had a state that was better prepared or uh, where its infrastructure was set up to where more of its workers could work remotely, then maybe that would be a factor that has uh, caused that state to, to do better on, in terms of those, those two metrics. And it turns out that um, analysts have said that North Carolina is one of the top states for remote working. Uh, I mean, everywhere you can remote work, remotely work, but a large part of our economy is set up for remote working. In fact, I, I saw one study that indicated that only the state of Delaware um, is more favorable for remote working compared to North Carolina. So that can be another reason why we, we look good compared to other states. And then the last idea I had, Tom, and I, and I, would, uh, I would like your views on this because you're a lifelong North Carolinian and you, you have a perspective on this. Um, if you think about, um, I think about the state I grew up in, Ohio, um, I certainly view myself as an Ohio and a Buckeye. But in terms of um, thinking about uh, issues and issues that affected geographies of the state, et cetera, I, so I uh, thought mostly that I was uh, a Cincinnatian, as, as I would argue that people in Columbus, Ohio, uh, probably first thought of themselves as residents of Columbus, and same with Cleveland, et cetera. And my thought here, Tom, is that although North Carolina certainly has large cities, uh, Raleigh, Charlotte, uh, cities in the Triad, et cetera, I think our tradition here is still to think of ourselves first as North Carolinians. And I think we, we still have a statewide perspective rather than more of a local perspective. And, and again, I'd, I'd like your thoughts on this. But how could that help? In terms of the pandemic, well, I think it may could have helped. It could have helped by people maybe paying more attention to what the governor was saying and the recommendations of the governor, because people were used to thinking of themselves as residents of the state and taking their guidance from the state, as opposed to thinking to themselves, "Well, I'm a uh, uh, I, I'm a, uh, a resident of, uh, of New York City. I'm going to listen to what the mayor of New York City says, or or the re- I'm a resident of Cincinnati. I'm going to look what, listen to what the mayor." Of Cincinnati says. So I'm not sure how I could I could measure that and test that idea, but it's something that did come across my mind in thinking about the last year and how um, uh, we were getting we were getting advice from a lot of places. But if the my argument is, if people in North Carolina think of themselves as North Carolinians, they have that statewide view. They may very well have, have paid more attention and been willing to follow the advice of the state level more so than in some other states. Well, the one piece that I would put as a footnote to that is that I think you're right about the state being sort of level. Uh, North Carolina, historically, it's a little bit less. So they never had a, a massive urban center that dominated the whole state, but just it was kind of like if you put mayonnaise on a piece of bread, you sort of just spread it all out to the corners. That's probably a bad analogy, but you, you see what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's no, no city dominated the state, and even now, and uh, I couldn't tell you who the mayor of Charlotte is or the mayor of Winston-Salem or the mayor of, of – well, I may be able to come up with the name of the mayor of Raleigh, but, but the point there is those are the people who would be uh, – uh, 
what am I saying, trying to say, who would compete with the governor of North Carolina for attention. And I think, uh, I personally think the governor has done fairly well, and I think most, most people have tried to listen to him because they've realized the seriousness of the, the uh, problem that we were dealing with. So I think probably you're right. We'll have to wait and see if you can develop those ideas a little bit further. How does that sound? That sounds great, Tom. Right, if we got a couple more minutes, um, uh, looking ahead, uh, and I've, I have I have talked about this, I think, forever since I've been on Let your, me say we've got one minute is what we've is, got. Is, is whenever anyone at the Federal Reserve says anything, pay attention. And right now the Federal Reserve is being watched about in terms of when they may raise interest rates um, and, in order to head off perhaps higher inflation. So so do, do watch... Whenever you see anything you hear, read about the Federal Reserve, pay attention because they are still very, very powerful part of our economy. Dr. Mike Walden making his monthly visit for the month of July on July the 5th. Now he will be free next Tuesday night to watch the All-Star game. <laughs> and we will see if, if uh, what is Vato's first name? Uh, uh, Joe Vato. No, he will not be on the All-Star team. He will not be on the All-Star team. Uh, okay. Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. Uh, two outfields okay. will be. Well, we'll be watching it, and we'll we'll have an imaginary seat next to you, Dr. Okay. Walden, and we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you so Thanks, much Tom. for being with I us tonight. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Tomorrow night we're going to talk about movies with Stephen Kearney here on WPTF's Tom Kearney Show.